Thanks for joining us here on Brit David Podcast as Pastor Tim brings us the conclusion to Good News, Bad News from Romans, Road to Salvation. Growing up in church, I was familiar with the term the Roman Road, and I knew that it was a means of explaining the gospel. And yet, I had no idea what that road was or the verses that might be involved. But I knew that I needed to know. So I sat down with my Bible and I just began marking verses that seemed important to share with someone who needed salvation. Let's take a journey down that road together. Here's Pastor Tim. That's bad news and that's worse news. But let me share something with you today that's good. There is good news in the gospel. There's good news in the gospel, and you would expect it to be so. The word gospel literally means good news. What is that good news? If the bad news is, is that everybody's taking a wrong turn. If the worst news is, is that the road that I'm on is a dead end. Then the good news is, is that the toll has already been paid. That toll, that payment, that punishment has already been paid. If you would turn to Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8, maybe back one page or just maybe across the page, you're going to find what is arguably my favorite verse in the entire Bible. This is what it says. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. Well, it's already been an established fact, hasn't it, that I'm a sinner. I am a sinner. And that verse says, while we were still sinners. So this verse is talking to me. And I know that because of my sin, I have a punishment, I have a payment that is due. And it's death, right? While we were still sinners, then what happened? Jesus died for us. He took my place. He took my place. What I deserved, He endured. What I have earned, He has paid. I deserve to be the one on the cross. I deserve to be separated from the Father forever and forever and forever. Yet when Jesus died on a cross, He died on that cross for me. He died on that cross for you. You owe a debt that you cannot pay. And Jesus pays it. Can you imagine going over here to Walmart, loading up your buggy, and getting to the checkout line? Maybe you actually find somebody that works at the checkout line. And they're checking you out, and they give you that total, and it doesn't have to fill up many bags for that total to be big. And suddenly you realize, I... I don't have enough of that. I mean, I don't have enough to cover that. And you've been in line before when somebody has not had enough, haven't you? And they're saying, take this off the bill, take this off the bill, take this off. Imagine, however, if there's somebody in line behind you for a bill that you cannot pay and they say, I will pay that bill for you. I'll pay that bill for you. And they pay it. Do you know what that cashier will not ask you for? Will not ask you for payment. Why? Because it's already been paid. 
Listen to me, Baptist. There are a number of us who know these things to be true. And yet we still live our life as if we can make it up to God somehow. As if His death is is inconsequential. I can pay my way. I I can do better, I promise. I can act better, I can talk better, I can can change my ways. That's just not the point. The point is, is that Jesus has paid the penalty that you cannot pay unless you remain separated from God for forever. And all it is, is to be yours, is that you repent and that you believe. I said, that's good news, isn't it? I mean, that is good news. I am on my way to destruction. And Jesus intercepts me. Jesus steps in the way. Jesus pays that penalty and that price for me. And I I want you to notice something about this verse, something I had not noticed for such a long, long time. Look at the beginning of chapter 5 and verse 8. But God demonstrates His own love toward us. I don't know, somewhere along the way I just assumed that it said, but God demonstrated His love for us. In that when Jesus dies on the cross, He's demonstrating His love for me. I mean, that's true, yes. But demonstrates means that it's in the present. It means that every single day, God is demonstrating His love for you, reminding you that Jesus died for you. He died for you. He didn't have to, but He did. He said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down, and I have the power to take it back up again. Folks, that is good news. It's good news. There's bad news. And there's worse news, there's good news, and then there's great news. There's great news, great, great news. The great news is that you can go straight ahead and make the right turn. You can turn to the right. Look, if you will, over in Romans chapter number 10. There are actually a series of verses right here that I want to show you. Beginning in verse number 9, the Bible says this. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. In other words, if you will agree with Him. If you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord. He is who He claimed to be. He did what He claimed to do. And that was to die for my sins. That He's capable of doing that. If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart. That God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Isn't that great news? This penalty that you could not pay but that you have earned has been paid for by Jesus out of his overabounding love for you. And if you would simply call upon his name The Bible says, you will be saved. In fact, look down at verse number 13. Whoever, doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter whether you've been in church before or you haven't. 
Doesn't matter what color you are, doesn't matter where you live, doesn't matter which language you speak. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can be saved and you can know it. John said, these things I have written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. Let me ask you this. Do you know? Do you know that you know? There's a great, great chasm between God, a holy God, and sinful people. A gap that cannot be bridged by us. A gap that cannot be jumped by us. A gap that you can't get to. It would be as if I were standing on this platform and had to somehow leap up into the balcony. There's no way that I can do that. None. Every attempt, any attempt that I might make, will always fall short. Coming to church is not going to do it. Trying to be a good person is not going to do it. Saying that I've kept the Ten Commandments is not going to do it. I cannot get there by myself. I need a bridge. And the bridge is Jesus. The bridge is His cross. Have you ever repented of your sins? Have you ever trusted in Christ alone for eternal life? You can do that today. Let me give you some more better news. I know that's not good English, but that's just the way it goes. More better. Let me show you two other verses. Look, if you will, back to chapter 5, this time verse number 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You want peace in your home? You want peace in your world? You want peace in Jerusalem? You want peace in your life? It only comes through Christ. You know, there's a great verse in Philippians where it talks about the Peace of God that passes all understanding or passes explanation. We all want that. We all want God's unexplainable peace in our lives. Listen to me. You can't have the peace of God until you have peace with God. That's what this verse is all about. If you have been justified if God has saved you on this day, if He has set you free, He says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me show you one more. These are the, these are the attractions that you get to see on your journey, you know. Let me give you one more. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1. See, when I, when I go from Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 to Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23, not only do I recognize that I'm a sinner, 
but also recognize that I'm under condemnation. I'm condemned. I'm a dead man walking. Unless God does something, I will forever remain in that condition. And yet the Bible says for the person who receives Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation. I don't ever, ever have to worry about the penalty for my sin. I don't ever have to worry about paying that debt on my own. Ever, ever, ever. If you do go to Walmart and that person behind you pays for your items, the only thing that the cashier is going to do is to give you a receipt. Because when you walk out the door, there's going to be somebody there who's going to say, let me see your receipt. Right? Never understood that, but that's what they do. Right? Somewhere along the line, Maybe it's because of temptation. Maybe it's because of failure. Maybe it's because of backsliding. I may get to a point where I wonder, do I really belong to Jesus? Do I really have peace with Him? Suddenly you can show yourself You can show the world, you can show the enemy your receipt. You have one. Do you remember when Jesus is hanging on the cross? Seven things that Jesus says while he's there. One of them is, it is finished. The word that he uses is a merchant term. It's a term for buying and selling. If you go into a mom and pop store, whatever you buy, they may get out their receipt booklet and they write down what it is that you've bought. Then they take a stamp out from under the counter and they stamp it. Paid in full. That's what it is finished means. Not that his life is over, but that the sin debt of the world is paid in full. Therefore, if anybody were to ask me for my receipt, I simply point them to Jesus who said it is finished and who tells me there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I am saved. I am forever saved. And I can know that I know that I belong to Jesus. My question comes... Do you know that? Do you really know it? There have been times in my life where I have wondered. Even after I asked Jesus in my heart and I genuinely got saved. Suddenly I begin doing stuff that I ought not do. Compromising in areas that I ought not compromise in. And then just wondering... God, am I really saved? Do I I really belong to you? Let me tell you how you can know for sure. 
There's nobody in this room, as much as I love you, there's nobody in this room that I love as much as the people that are sitting on this front row. And it may very well be that somewhere along the line, they do something that so disappoints me, so hurts me, that is so out of character even for our family. And maybe even in anger, I say, get out! I don't want you in this family anymore. You don't belong to me anymore. What's the truth? The truth is, is that they are mine. Forever mine. Because they've been born of my family. You may do something that you think is so vile that God would never, ever forgive you. And that he wants to kick you out of his family. You're his. And you're his for forever. What did you do in order to bring about your salvation? Not one thing. You simply repented and believed. What did Jesus do to secure your salvation. He did everything. Peter says, He bore your sins in His own body on that tree. He did everything. So who is it that's keeping you attached to the family of God? Is it you? Or is it Jesus? Jesus said, you are in the Father's hand and no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. Today, I want every person in this room to know that they know that they belong to Jesus. There's only one way to be sure, isn't there? To ask Him to come into your heart, into your life. Or show Him the receipt. Let me ask you to do this with me today. Would you stand right where you are? Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed as we go to the Lord in prayer. And ask Him this. Say, Jesus... Do I belong to you? Or do I need to make peace with you? Just ask him. I believe he'll answer you. I don't believe he's going to speak it out loud. I don't even know that he'll whisper it in your ear. But deep down in your heart of hearts, the peace that you have with Him, He will allow you to feel and to sense in that moment. Or He will make your heart restless until you make things right with Him.
maybe you would pray a prayer like this today. You would say, dear God, you talk directly to him. You have to talk to me. You're not talking to yourself. You're not talking to the air. Dear God, admit this. Say, I know that I'm a sinner. I know it. The Bible says it. God, God already knows it, so why not admit it? God, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that my sins have separated me from you. I know that those sins will keep me separated from you forever and forever. If this really is the cry of your heart, you could say it like this. God, I don't want to be separated from you. I don't want to be. It's not you that's going to do it, is it? You're asking him, Jesus, I know that you love me. Jesus, I know that you died for me on the cross. Jesus, I know that you're offering me forgiveness. Jesus, I receive your gift of eternal life. I confess with my mouth that you are the Lord. I believe in my heart that you've been raised from the dead and that you live today and are coming again. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to be my Savior. I ask you to be my Lord and help me to live a life that pleases you. What do you think he would say? If you were to say all of that to him and really meet it in your heart. He says if you draw near to him, that he will draw near to you. And you will be born again. With the head still bowed and the eyes still closed. This is the invitation today. Number one, to those who've never really asked Jesus to come in their heart and save them, you know that you need to be saved. Why don't you come and say, Tim, when you prayed that prayer, I prayed that prayer. And I meant it. Or maybe this invitation is for those who've already asked Jesus to come in their heart, but yet they've never made a public profession of faith. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Isn't it, isn't, it time, isn't it time for you to say so? I belong to Jesus and I want people to know. Maybe you need to get the baptism on the right side of your salvation. Maybe you need to plant your life in the life of this church. Or maybe there's somebody that you know who needs to know what you know about salvation. Maybe you want to come to the altar and just pray for them and pray for yourself. Not that God would send them anybody else really other than you. That He would give you boldness 
and courage and words to say what you ought to say at that divine appointment. I want Sean and them to sing. I'm going to ask you to just pray. But if you need to come, I want you to come. Okay? Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.